1: This is the this, this is the Skate Podcast with your host, WEEI.com Bruins Writers, Brian D. Felice, Bridget Prue, and Scott McLaughlin. Lace them up for some bee's talk. It's Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 190 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bruins take a three to one series lead over the Florida Panthers. They win six to two on Sunday. Now, if you were to tell me after game two, that the Bruins would have to play games three and four on the road, which we've talked about Florida's not really a home ice advantage in the series, but on the road, nonetheless, without Bergeron and without Creechie and the Bruins going to win the next two games and take a stranglehold in the series. Would I have believed you? Yeah, of course. Like the Bruins have given us reason to have that confidence, but it certainly would have been a very, very tall task. And I guess the easiest way to put it it just speaks to this team's depth that you can go down your number 1 and number 2 center and still take care of business on the road against a team that's playing desperate to get back in the series and clearly trying, you know, certain tactics to to um to get the Bruins off their game.
0: Yeah, d- depth and also like just I'd say mental fortitude to be able to overcome those losses because I think the the mental part of it is just as important as, you know, do you have enough skill to be able to do it? Like, you know, guys could definitely look at Bergeron and Krejci being out of the lineup and be like, Oh crap, we're screwed. You know, looking around, like, a, you know, who's going to step up and it's instead, I think they look around and they go like, we're all going to do it. Like, we're all going to step up. And these last two games they have, it really has been up and down the lineup Uh, you know, like, Marshand has been awesome. He has stepped up as a leader on and off the ice. You see Taylor Hall with the four point game. Debrusque scores twice. Zaka has basically turned into a number one center ahead of schedule. like you know we're we're talking about like, can he be that next year in the future down the road, you know, be a one or two center? Well, he's had to be it in the series and he has been. um Coyle steps up the defense that, you know, was maybe a little bit shaky at times in early in the series, especially game two has been really solid. And you see, you know, Orloff threading needles all over the place and McAvoy setting a physical tone. I think, you know, Lindholm hasn't been as involved offensively, but him and Carlo, I think have really settled in and played like the shutdown defense that we're used to seeing after, you know, Carlo obviously had that one bad turnover and in, in game two, they had spent some too, a little too much time in their own zone. Like, you see that getting cleaned up and it's just, like I said, like up and down the rock, you know, no second Hathaway, like the defensive job they're doing on the fourth line. It's, it's everyone. And, and it, it reinforces the just how good this team is. Right. Because yeah, they, they could have lost both of these or one of them. And then, you know, you come back home if you're tied two two and you think Bergeron's coming back, like you're still probably feeling pretty solid about things but it has now turned into a longer series and, you know, you're doing a little bit more of, okay, just kind of survive in advance. Just get us to the next round. And instead it's like they've taken control again and they've looked dominant and they've outplayed the Panthers and they've pulled away in these games. And now, you know, potentially wrapping it up and making it a short series is back on the table, which could be crucial because it would get you some rest ahead of round two, which, which they obviously could use.
2: Yeah, and actually a lot of the stuff you said just like popped different ideas in my head, which was one of, the, one of the things I was talking about with my dad when I was watching the game yesterday was if you had told me what would it be like two years or two and a half years ago, like say pre-deadline that the Bruins got Taylor Hall. If you had told me that the Bruins lineup would include Orlov and Bertuzzi and like you just, just list all of the, the key players that the Bruins have right now like t- didn't think they'd have Taylor Hall like even if you list the Bruins whole lineup without Bergeron and Krejci if you had told me that two and a half years ago I would still be like oh that's a great team Um, and I would have believed that you know Krejci and Bergeron retired rather than they were uh suffering with an injury at this point and uh weren't able to play and then and then when you do say oh that it was just injuries they could come back then you're like that's That team is ridiculous. Um, So the team's been good enough even without those two um, to get it done. Obviously they did have Krejci for part of the series, but um, looks like he's going to be out again in game five, um, which that's like the only injury Montgomery's actually been more clear about over the last, I don't know, two days. (laughs) Um, uh, So there's, there's just been a lot of gamesmanship with that, but uh, they, and my column, my column after the first game of the playoffs was about Zaka being a number one center. Um, and it was kind of a look ahead, but it was also about him having to play the role now. And he's done a great job. Coyle has really stepped up as well. I talked about this on Sunday skate. Trent Frederick has impressed me. And just, um, I think I might've mentioned this last podcast as well. He's just, um, the role that he was drafted for was a center. Uh, and he just like Zaka had not found a home necessarily in those spots, but then you move him over and he looks good there and he's, he's been able to contribute and he's kind of a counter to the kachucks of the world. Um, when you have them out on the ice, so, uh, they've, they've done a lot of good when they were in Florida and Taylor hall has been, I think nobody looked great in game two. So let's just take that aside. But if you look over the full series, Taylor Hall and Brad Marchand have had some really good efforts, I think so far.
1: They have. And Marshand has definitely led by example, especially with his temperament and keeping his composure in a series where it's been very easy for the Bruins to respond, uh, get, get in the mud, I guess with Florida a bit, especially in game, in game four. Um, but just keeping it to the, to the depth real quick, it's very interesting to me. I think it tells a lot about this Bruins team. Not only are you without Bergeron and Krejci, but the Bruins are up three games to one in this series, and David Pasternak is eighth on the team in playoff scoring right now with two points. He has two points, both of them being a goal, through the first four games of this series. And the leaders in the point production category for the playoffs so far through four games are Taylor Hall with seven points. We've touched on him briefly. Tyler Bertuzzi, great pickup by Don Sweeney. Bridget, to your point about a couple of years ago, just not, not thinking certain guys would be on this roster. So Bertuzzi and Hall leading the way, seven points, six points. DeBrusk five points. Orloff, five assists. I think at least four, if not all five of them have been primary assists marshan four points so he's leading in zaka with with four assists and then nick felino four games three points so if you were to say nick felino would be ahead of david paschnack and scoring after four games and by the way i'm not i'm not blasting paschnack uh and his two points so far through four games i think obviously it's a little probably a little low for him no doubt about he's that he's also
2: a guy that i wouldn't have thought would be on the team at that point in time <laughs> like if you look back to to the time period i was talking about because i Who'd mean What did you say nick felino
1: yeah yeah, no, him too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at this Bruins roster. It's, you look at this Bruins roster from 2019 when they went to the Cup finals against St. Louis. It's actually crazy how different it is. It, mm-hmm. it you kind of you kind of feel like it's the same team because you still have the core, uh, the core main guys. And you still have Coil, and the defense isn't. But even the defense is drastically, you know, turned over. The goaltending is turned over. Um, so this team is yeah. It, there's a lot of plays you can point to on this roster and say yeah, I didn't see this guy being on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just 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 to I guess if you guys want to follow up on on uh, maybe just the points leaders through four games and who's who's kind of carrying away.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's funny you referenced twenty nineteen. It's like no, the, the debate on that team was who's who's playing second line right wing Carson Kuhlman or David Backus, and it's like that was this year's team. Like that'd be who's your fourteenth forward Carson Kuhlman or David Backus? Like mm-hmm. it's so much deeper. Um, you know, you look at like that team's defense. Like the left side was Zdeno Chara, who we obviously all love, but was clearly not vintage Zdeno Chara at that point. Like McAvoy had to do a lot of the puck moving on that pairing, and Chara just kind of hung back. And then Krug and Grizzly, you know, two smaller guys, which at times was a problem. Especially Cup final, it's like now when you look at that with Lindholm and Orlov there, and it's like those are just like those are those all around minutes eating, do everything guys that, you know, you were wondering where they were going to find them. And now they have two of them and it's, you know, it, like every move Sweeney, just about every move Sweeney has made the last couple of years, you see it just paying huge dividends right now. You know, we talked about Taylor Hall and, and him stepping up and, you know, which has been needed. Like he's, yeah he was coming back from injury. I think getting into a few games late in the regular season helped um but like you know, with some other key guys out, like he's one of the guys you look at and you you're like, all right, he's talented enough to put up points like let's see it and now he is uh you know, Lindholm on the back end, Orlov bertuzzi. we talked about the points he's putting up like zaka incredible it's just one move after another that is you know, a huge reason why they're able to overcome injuries that would, would kill, you know, another team would kill most other teams. Um Yeah. So it's been, been very encouraging to see who's stepping up because it's, you know, it, it's, this is why you add so much depth is, you know, it's funny. Like we were talking about how, Oh, when everyone's healthy, you know, this lineup looks crazy. And it's like, yeah, the reality of the Stanley Cup playoffs is you almost never have a situation where everyone's healthy. Like there's always someone out, and that's why you build this depth. And you know, I I still thought that being without Bergeron and Krejci could potentially threaten them in this series. Never mind going forward. But you know, I had not even though I picked a sweep. Like I had enough respect for the Panthers that I thought, you know, this could really turn into a tough series for the Bruins with those two guys out and. For them to take control with so many different guys stepping up is super impressive.
1: And and Bridget like one player too, who's tenth on the Bruins in scoring so far through four games with one point, is a player who I feel like has been one of their best players so far, which is Charlie Coyle. So it's just again, just like even the guys that they're not lighting up the score sheet, they're doing they're doing everything right right now. And,
2: and it, it's not even just that they're are like good players that were added, they were the right players at the right time. So like adding Zaka was the right player at the right time. Um adding Orlov and Bertuzzi are two guys that are built for the playoffs and you add them right ahead of the playoffs. Like those are two players that are the right player at the right time. Um goaltending when when Allmark was brought in, he was the right guy because you know you're it was this transition away from Tuca and now you have your two your, your new goalie duo. And so when you look back at it, it, it ends up being, they were, they were good players, but they also had such a good fit. And we had talked for a long time, you know, who's the next number one center. And all of a sudden, um, Pavel Zaka has emerged as the season goes on as that person. And you needed him to be your number one center in the playoffs already. So he was easily, the right player at the right time for this team and, and a move that was made. Um, he's a much better fit than hollow was anyway. So, um, and then, and they're, they have been able to move some of the guys that they developed in as well. When you think about it, Trent Frederick is someone that they developed. Um, obviously they have several defensemen that they developed, um, you know, McAvoy, Carlo Grizz, like, these are all guys that, that came through the system, but then you look at Lauco, Lauco has factored into two playoff games so far. Um, and he's, he's had some really strong shifts, honestly. Um, especially in game four, he had, he just hustles and he's able to, um, like he had the stick lift out in front of the net and you got a, a chance off of it. Like he's kind of an opportunistic player that uses his speed. So he's a guy that has been able to jump in there. Um, and try to impact it. And then obviously Jeremy Swayman is homegrown. So you're looking at this combination of players added right piece at the right time kind of things. And, and um, some of the homegrown guys able to, to come do that as well.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Laugo like you see that his speed translates to the playoffs. Like on Sunday, he wins a foot race, basically from center ice, just, straight up beats the Florida defenseman to a puck deep in the offensive zone and leads to possession. Um, That fourth line with no second Hathaway, obviously leading the way. And then whether it's, you know, Ben Lauco or or whoever next to them, um, you know, Felino early in the series mission accomplished by them. Like they, they are getting more defensive zone starts than anyone else on the team. And they have not been on the ice for a five on five goal against in the series. So even if they're not contributing a ton offensively, like that's good enough. That's all you need from them. And, and Hathaway, you know, another trade acquisition we haven't really touched on yet, but 18 hits and eight blocks in the series, both are first among Bruins forwards. Like that's exactly what you brought him in for. Not just the physicality on the four check, which is important and which he's definitely bringing, but also, his defensive zone play he's a very smart player and he takes away opportunities and he's done that getting in shooting lanes just helping to get pucks out that um, guy is
2: tough like he's just straight yeah. up tough like he took some wax in game four and and at other points in the series he's just kind of a target because he hits guys so he gets hit but he is tough um he's stuck in there when i did not think he was going to after taking that cross check from kachuk
0: yeah, little little Calgary Flames reunion there, where Chuck cross checks him in the ribs, and then he's lying on the ground, and Sam Bennett gives him a little "How you doing?" Uh, between the legs. So yeah, I was uh, thinking that
1: I was trying to see if they were. I think the timeline they were all Flames at the same time, right? Well, I certainly believe Scott and so. Hathaway, but I think yeah, yeah, I think they're all there at the same time. You're right, Scott. Um, yeah, we'll definitely touch on that on that scrum, uh, and but I guess just to kind of get into the game a little bit the Bruins power play to me uh didn't seem very fluid really in any aspect of it being with the exception of the Jake DeBrusco like that was a great tic-tac goal and transition but it was in the final like 15 seconds of the power play I feel like uh so I feel like over the course they had four power plays and I just felt like it wasn't very fluid throughout most of them of the opportunities however the box score will tell you they they went two for four and they're fifty percent. So, so no harm, no foul. I mean, if if you if you find a way to score, you find a way to score. You would like to see a very dominant power play where they're getting scoring chance after scoring chance, and eventually they put one in. But they don't ask how pretty; they ask how many. And so the first example of that would be the first goal of the game, which that was again the Bruins were effective in transition. Both both their power play goals were in transition, which I guess kind of illustrates that they weren't great in the zone, but passionate goes to the net. I think he went for a backdoor pass for Bertuzzi. Great stop by Bobrovsky, but the puck kind of laid there and it looked like the ref blew the whistle, but everybody and their mother could see the puck was not tied up. It was loose just between Bobrovsky's legs. And eventually Marshan puts it home. I think everybody outside of the Florida Panthers bench would agree that that was the right call obviously Paul Maurice and company are going to sit there and say, well, the rep blew the whistle. That shouldn't have been a goal, which that's, that should have been a goal. That was a good goal by the Bruins and good stick to by them to, to get the, the one, nothing lead.
0: Yeah. And I think just the fact that the power play did generate something in transition is, is a change because for like the longest time they were getting nothing off of their entries. It was like that their only chance of doing anything was after they got set up. And you know, it's like, you almost forget that a power play can also strike in transition. Like there's no law saying you have to get into the zone and then set up for 10 seconds. Um, So that like that was encouraging to see. They were coming into the zone with speed and putting the puck right to the net. So, you know, yeah, maybe they weren't as good in zone, but if you're doing that, then you're giving yourself multiple ways to strike. So uh that was definitely encouraging to see the rush by Pasternak, you know, we just talked about he only has two points. Like, in a fair world, he, he should have an assist on that. It's just that, you know, so many guys are banging away at the rebound that enough other sticks touched it that he doesn't get one. But he sets that up by coming in with speed and putting a perfect pass to Bertuzzi. That was really a great save from Bobrovsky um, to keep that first chance out. Uh, yeah, and then the second one, same thing. It's It's Hall holding for a clean entry, cutting to the middle, over to Orlov and then just a great one touch pass, right. To, De- to DeBrusque in front. Um, so it was just that alone was encouraging to see from the Bruins power play it was carrying the puck in with more um, and creating as that way. So, you know, I think you'll, you'll take that. And again, like, let's remember, that's an area where Bergeron and Krejci are always playing. They're always on the power play. So it's different personnel and there are naturally going to have to be adjustments when you don't have those two guys. So I think, and they're not practicing a lot. You don't practice a lot in the playoffs when you're going every other day. So some of it is, you know, they have to figure this out on the fly, um, how to get things going with these different units and without Bergeron and Krejci out there to help lead them. And, you know, they at least figured out the entries, uh, which is where it all starts. So, you know, you would, I think as they go on, they should get better in the zone as well.
2: Yeah, and that that Debrusque power play goal was just tic tac toe passing with Orlov and Hall. Um, and DeBrusque has become you know the the garbage goal scorer. He's always out in front of the net. His his goals have come just right there, right around the crease. Um, and that's what that's a good role for him to have him down there on the power play um, near the net. He's he's good at just picking rebounds off off of pads and and finding the puck there. Um, And then so they they did have a little bit of different power play units with Hall um, out there on the second unit this time. And I mean, he gets rewarded for having good five on five play. And also the fact that, you know, you're missing two really key pieces on the power play. Um, But yeah, Brian, to your point, there were some times where it looked slow. And then there was that one Panthers power play where they were able to, to get the lead back to just one goal because they had such a dominant power play performance that they scored on. Um, and it almost felt like the Bruins penalty killers were doing as much as they possibly could have, but they still couldn't stop that power play. Like that, if the Panthers can do that every power play, you know, that that's dangerous. Um, and in, in that moment, that was in the third period. In that moment, you kind of felt like they knew if they <laughs> lost game four, they lost the series, right? Because they they had the stats up. It's like 90% of teams that are up three to one win the series. And um 50% if it's tied to two, obviously it's like 50-50. So those are a huge difference in odds of you winning the round. So you needed to to find a way to dig back into it. And the the annoying part if you're a Panthers fans, if the frustrating part if you're a Panthers fan, was that they did that. They got the game within one goal. Um, and then some some stupid stuff happens where you don't look like you're you're trying your best to to take the game because you got Montor taking a dumb penalty at the wrong time. Um, like you, you're you're trying to, at that point, you're trying to come back from a two-goal lead, and you're doing things to that that end up hurting yourself. So it was like they showed both sides of that. Like, we know we need to win this game, or we're pretty much done. But the discipline wasn't there for Montour. I don't. I don't understand why he plays like that. Sometimes he's a good player. He doesn't have to do that.
1: Well, I, I feel like. Which which play in particular are you talking about, Bridget?
2: Uh, the in the end of the third Montour, I think it was a cross-checking penalty. Um, that it just doesn't. That didn't make sense to me. Why at this point in the game you're, gonna decide to do that.
1: Well, I think discipline is definitely an issue for Florida uh, team wide. And I think a perfect example of that is, is Matthew Kachuk, right? He, he's, he put the Panthers on his back to get into the postseason. He's their leading scorer. I believe through the first four games of the se- uh, of the postseason. tremendous player, tremendous player, but it's a one nothing game end of the first period. And he goes behind the net, and you guys mentioned it earlier, but he goes and just has a blatant cross check to the ribs. Now, I'm all for playoff hockey, and I'm all for gamesmanship, and 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 all that, and let, letting your opponents know that you're there. But that is a that's a cheap play because because there is no padding there. I mean, your chest protector, your uppers, they 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 stop right like right above your belly button um, and your, and your ribs are exposed your lower back is totally exposed. There's no, there's no padding there. And, and, and and Kachuk knows that. And he went there and, and, and gave Hathaway a very, a a very, very deceivingly hard cross check. It was, it was, it was was well disguised. It's just that the ref was right there. Uh, So anyway, it was a lack of discipline by Kachuk. If you want to be a leader, Matthew Kachuk will stand up for his teammates. He'll drop the gloves. He's not, he's, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's a rat in the sense where like he won't, he won't face the music. He will. He's one of those players who will drop the gloves on his terms, but the refs saw it and, and they got, and, and there was no reason for that play. And he, and he took a minor penalty for it. And of course, the Bruins come out in the second period and they do what good teams do. And, and they make their opponents pay for stupidity. And, and Matthew Kachuk, is, he has to skate across the ice knowing that his, his ill-advised play put his team down two goals. And then, of course, Matthew Kachuk scores the goal to get them back within one, so it's kind of a full-circle microcosm of what he means to that team and what he's capable of. But well, the Bruins have been the far better composed team so far through the four, first four games of the series.
0: Yeah, and on Kachuk, I'll even say nine minutes left in the game Bruins are up four to two, so Panthers need to come back. They need to score quick, and he gets into a slashing fight with McAvoy after the whistle, and they both go. So he's not—he's not handing the Bruins a power play, but the Bruins will take that trade off a hundred times out of a hundred at that point in the game in that situation because they have the defense to still protect the lead, uh, even with McAvoy in the box. The Panthers need Kachuk out there. They're down by two goals. They need goals and he is their best offensive player. And he takes himself off the ice for two minutes with nine minutes left in the game. Like, that's just for, for what purpose? For what? And, to, you know, so you could get an extra whack in on Charlie McAvoy. Like, that's just that, not being aware of the game situation and and, and losing your cool and not being in, in control.
2: And that Montour penalty I was talking about was a minute after that and it ends up with a four on three for the Bruins. So you're talking about two guys that usually you'd be looking to when crunch time to help your team. It was an interference penalty mantra took on, on Pasternak away away from the the play completely stupid right out in the middle of the zone. Um, And so both of those two guys that you want to help you claw back into it um, are taking dumb penalties and they end up in the box. So um, that they got, the Bruins got help from the Panthers in that way. They kind of, started to beat themselves uh, in a way a little bit at the end there because they started to fall apart. And that's not what a playoff team does.
1: So do you feel like that play by Kachuk just to kind of go back to that? Cause it was a very polarizing play. I think uh, everybody would, would admit, do you think that's suspension worthy? Do you think the league will look at that? I think we probably would have seen something by now if the league was look, taking a further look, do you feel like yeah, it's in
0: a I'm, I'm going to say, no, I think if, if Hathaway got knocked out of the game or had broken ribs, then I would say it would be almost a guarantee that Kachuk would get a game. Um, well, we don't
2: actually know what's going on with Hathaway. Like, we, ha- they haven't practiced yet.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, he re- he came back in the
2: game. There's I know, but sometimes you time. come back and then you get it looked at after the game, and it's like, oh, no, you probably shouldn't have come back in. So, technically, we're not 100% sure. He, like, hadn't gone through a full diagnosis of stuff before he came back in.
1: Scott, doesn't the uh... – doesn't player safety isn't what isn't their protocol to to assess the play based on the play itself? And then don't they potentially add to the suspension if the player was hurt or can sometimes that injury be what makes it a suspension?
0: I think it's a little of both, but yeah, injury is definitely taken into account. So my guess is he's probably going to end up getting fined is what I think that kind of seems to be the NHL's default for bad cross checks or slashes. Is it, they, they'll go with the fine. They'll take the safe route where it's okay. We did, we did something about it, but you know, ultimately players don't really care, especially when you're Chuck making nine and a half million and they take $5,000 out. like, you know, he'll survive. So I would guess that's where it's going to go, but yeah, had it been a more serious injury, like had, way not been able to return to the game and we heard, you know, he's got broken ribs, then, then I think Kachuk would be in danger. Um, but it, so in that sense, he's lucky. It wasn't more serious. Like he's lucky he didn't do more damage.
2: Yeah. And then once again, if we're talking about him getting an actual suspension from it or, um, you know, cause he, he plays like that, you're talking about missing your best player in what is an elimination game in game five. Uh, if, if you were to have, you know hurt halfway like you mentioned um or if the league was to determine that it was enough for a suspension now you're without your best player in in, in game 5 and that's just not that's not how teams win and that's the thing about Marshawn it's like he's kind of a different Marshawn um talking to him after I think it was game 2 which obviously the bruins lost but Marshawn still played well and we saw him not retaliate to like him getting hunted down in in different situations. Um, That is the maturity level that Marshawn's been able to show that Kachuk has not learned yet. Um, And just the understanding the situation where you can't be baited into stuff or you, or you have to turn off that um, side of your game because you know what the consequences could be. And you know that you don't want to be the person to drag your team down and, and hurt their chances of winning. So Marshan has done a really good job with that. it is he's like a reformed Marshon. Uh it's it's kind of great.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like he came out of a uh, rat rat rehab. But, <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean I, I was I was very I was very uh I was very impressed with him in game one because Radko Gudis was was tackling him like like defenses tackle Christian McCaffrey running running up the middle and and for Marshan to just absorb that and and just keep playing through it and not even not even chirp him right like not even chirp him after the whistle just head down. It was very impressive to me and and it's it's definitely a telltale sign of a guy who he's been on the other side and 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 he he knows he knows especially with certain guys out but he knows that he has to. He's at a different point in his career now and he doesn't have to be that guy. And there's also guys in the Bruins roster that that. They, they can bring that if the Bruins need it. You have Trent Frederick, you have Tyler Bertuzzi, you have Garnet Hathaway, you have Loco, you have guys that can get there. They, they can get in there and get involved in that stuff. I guess the question is Marchand has always seemed to play better when he is on the line, but not over it. And I feel like if you do want to get the best out of him, I feel like that edge might have to be there at some point in this in these playoffs of course not of course recognizing the line and not getting over it but maybe does he need to inch a little bit closer to the to his boundaries at some point you guys no
2: not no No, I think he's playing whatever he's doing right now just keep doing that yeah well I also
0: think I think there's been a real recognition of like with Bergeron out and especially with Krejci out also like he's the captain he, he, he still just has an A on his sweater but I think it's like that light went off of like I'm the captain I'm in charge like I'm the I need now. to I need to lead and do it the right way so I think if you want him to get closer to that line I think what helps him get closer to that line is Patrice Bergeron returns and Martian can be a little looser and not so you know all right, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the one who needs to lead by example here. Like I think Bergeron's presence allows him to kind of move back down to second in command and, and maybe toe that, that line a little bit more because like we've seen that in the past where, you know, he'll, he'll get a little crazy. And Bergeron's the one who has to calm him down. We saw, you know, Bergeron put his arm around him on the bench. Was that last year or the year before whenever. And it's like, he I think he knows that when Bergeron's not there, he has to do that himself. Like he he has to be the one in charge of his own emotions because there is no Bergeron there to calm him down. Um so I, I think Bergeron returning could bring out that other side of Marshand a little bit. You know, we're probably never gonna see him go back to five years ago or I say that, but I you know, I don't know, maybe maybe he will at some point if uh, if someone drives him crazy enough. But
2: yeah, but the uh, series like as of right now the series doesn't dictate him doing that.
0: No, not that, not this series, but maybe, you know, next round or whenever. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, if you find if the Bruins find themselves down in the series and with, you know, getting the getting themselves pushed around, then yeah, maybe it that k- kind of style comes out of them, but as of right now, like the, he's in a good position where and the Bruins in general in a good position where they are not the ones trying to claw back into it. They're not the ones trying to create the energy that, you know, to try to spark what's going to have to be three straight wins for Florida. Um, So there's a little bit less of that needed um, on the Bruins side. And I just want Marshawn to do what he's been doing because he has, where, as we mentioned at the end of the regular season was in a bit of a drought. Um, And my article that I wrote about that too, people, I love when people angry tweet at me when they didn't read the whole article. (laughs) It's just like, no guys, the end of the article was a whole section about how in the playoffs, he always, he's been the team's leading goal scorer the last four playoffs. So like in the playoffs, it almost feels like all that goes out the window and he can play, he can elevate his level and get get to where his game needs to be for the playoffs so we've seen that again um and it was never really something that we were freaking out about um at least not on this podcast uh whether talk radio was doing it I don't know (laughs) um but yeah they say keep it the same Marshawn do what you've been doing
1: well I think also part of it too is is looking at your opponent and seeing if one of their star players is kind of having their way with your team and maybe trying to get them off their game like obviously Matthew could chuck and handle himself and he's He's obviously been doing a good job for Florida, but Sasha Barkov has had a pretty poor series in my opinion. And I think like if he was going off and the Bruins had all their guys in their lineup, to, like to Scott's point about maybe Ber- uh, Bergeron being there and, and Martian being able to take it down a notch as far as like the uh, good Samaritan stuff. Like, I, you might, you might see him, you know, get into Barkov's role a bit, but it just hasn't really been the way the series has played out. And honestly, I- I'm actually really, really surprised at how, knock on wood i know it's only 4 games into the series and it's far from over but barkov has been non-existent um what what one final point because uh, we can touch on that but one final point on Martian is more of a question do does each series have the same officiating crew throughout the series because i i feel like the refs if okay so sh- Scott's uh, shaking his head no but no, i feel like,
0: yeah it's different every game
1: i feel like either way i feel like the refs have Marshan gets reputation calls all the time. No doubt about it. I feel like, and he hasn't been penalized in this series. But I kind of feel like he's like becoming the refs like best friends. Like you're always seeing him like talk with them and like have like genuine conversations with them. And I feel like they more than anybody are recognizing what he's doing. And I kind of feel like they might appreciate it a little bit. No, I mean you see other guys across yeah. the league like Michael Bunting. They're like
2: a babysitter that doesn't that like the kid's not having a tantrum that day, and they're like, "Thank you, I can actually just sit on the <laughs> well, couch." It's yeah, like they're, it's, it's, they're it's one of the
0: final. It's one of the final steps of rat rehab. You have to you know, <laughs> apologize to the people you've hurt before and. <laughs>
1: Martian's <laughs> like you know seriously
0: i'm really sorry i screamed at you after you called a penalty on me in 2018
1: yeah <laughs> west mccauley my my behavior affected you negatively like this and i recognize that and i apologize <laughs> it's like it's just uh key, what's his name kelly kelly sutherland kelly sutherland <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry you missed the trip on noel achari and i in 19 and i and i and i screamed <laughs> at you i, I apologize my, my behavior affected you poorly and I will never do it again I have changed <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile he's like sticking somebody in the mess binder <laughs> <earth. laughs> anyway um so Marshan, yeah he's 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 been such a good samaritan I I do think it, a big story in the series has been look there's no doubt about it florida when you're when you don't have the talent and the depth that, uh, the same talent and depth as the team that's lining up across from you you have to try something. Florida knows that it would take a miracle or a goalie to stand on their head for them, even with the Bruins not at full health, to to win this series. And they're reverting to some tactics that, look, if you can't beat them straight up, yeah. Why not try to get Boston off their game? Why not try to agitate them? And quite frankly, I think that Florida has enough talent to, to win with that style of play against a President's Trophy winning team. But the Bruins aren't a normal President of Sophie winning team because they have been there and they've done that. They have enough veteran leaders to not fall for that. Whereas a younger team in that position might fall for it and get, get knocked off their game, but not this Bruins team. So the Bruins have been it's been very admirable. Like because you watch the games, right? And as a Bruins fan, you want to be like, Frederick, get in there, Bertuzzi, get in there and 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 you know, you know drop the gloves with Bennett or Kachuk and, and put them in their place or or Nick Cousins or something like that. You want that immediate satisfaction, but it is it is more appropriate to to be the bigger man, right?
2: Brian, how about yeah. this? How about we leave the, the fighting? You'll get your fair share of fighting that you want to watch if you just watch the Lightning series. Just like, I'm cool with this series, you know, not having that, and then I'll just tune in the next day and watch – um austin matthews fight steven samkos for some yeah which <laughs> by the
0: way if if you're a bruins fan you know obviously you got to finish off this series first but you're getting the winner of that series and you gotta love the way that series is going because those two teams are killing each other like mm-hmm. clean hits dirty hits fights like everything is it whoever wins that series is not Coming into a series against the Bruins, healthy like no, I mean, headman. Whether guys are,
2: Braden points been out. Like it's, it's been, it's been all over the place there. Yeah, I feel like to Not to get ahead of ourselves, but like Tampa Bay is the more injured team at this point, I would say, and has taken a real beating in that series. Um. Braden Point came back in that game and Hedman came back the next game, but still those are two key guys. If they're banged up and they're not hundred percent, then that really plays into your, into your favor. Um, and Toronto's kind of in, in a way been a little bit scary with um, how they've been so physical and been able to take guys out like that. So um, yeah. And bunting, like you don't want to play him. He's a cheap shotter. Um, th- different things like that. O'Reilly is, super physical I almost feel like you might want to draw at this point Tampa Bay just because of the circumstances of the way that Tampa is kind of dealing with some injuries and Toronto is not afraid to dole injuries out
1: yeah I mean it's definitely the war of attrition has taken its toll on both of those teams early and often which to keep to to bring it back to the Bruins is, is a is why it's so imperative to look if if the Bruins come back to Boston and lose game 5 and you have two more cracks at the can obviously it's 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 not ideal to have to go six games at this point but i know there's there's a question floating out there right if Patrice Bergeron's healthy Does he draw back into the lineup or with the team up three games to one? Do you keep just rolling out the team as is they've done it so far? They can do it again. But my my response to that would be no, like if he's good to go, he should play because it's the playoffs. You don't want to take any chances with an opponent going back home. And I think that with Scott, you mentioned earlier, like if the Bruins can wrap this up early uh, in five games like this Bruins team, like. Yeah, they 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 could use the rest. You you know a big a big part of going deep in the playoffs is you do you need a short series here. not necessarily in round one, but you need a short series in the one of the first three going to the Cup Finals. If you want to go to the Cup Finals and win, you need a short shorter series. And and I'll I'll illustrate for example, every time the Bruins have gone to the Cup Finals with this in this era, they've had that series right in 2011. They had a grueling seven-game series with Montreal featuring multiple games going into overtime. But they were able to sweep Philly. They were able to get that revenge and sweep finally finish off the sweep, which they couldn't do the year before. But they they, they were able to sweep Philly. And if you don't sweep Philly, say that game goes to seven games, I don't that series goes to seven games. I don't know if the Bruins have the energy. To beat Tampa the following series, maybe they don't, and because Tampa because Tampa had two quick series that that year too before the conference finals, uh, so the Bruins swept Philly, and then they they were able, able to gear up for two seven game series against Toronto, uh, Tampa, and, and Vancouver. Twenty thirteen, they they beat they had seven games against Toronto. They beat the Rangers in a gentleman sweep in five, and then they beat the Penguins in four. And of course they lost to the Chicago, but, um, and then in 2019, you obviously swept the hurricanes in the conference finals and didn't turn out great for the Bruins in the cup finals. But my point is if you're going to play four series, one of them has to be relatively quick. It would be great if the Bruins could get some rest here going into the next round, especially against an opponent, either Tampa Bay or Toronto, as you guys have illustrated is really going through the grinder right now.
0: Yeah. And as far as, you know, do you play Bergeron or rest them? Like they if he's cleared, I'm, I'm with you. He's playing like if he's only 65%, then short, sure, get him more rest. But if he's ready to go, like there's also a benefit of getting to knock some rust off because it's now been, you know, almost two weeks since he's played more than a period in a game. Uh, You know, so there's like, there's going to be some rust and you're going to have a, you know, if you wrap this up on Wednesday, you're going to have a good good layoff before the next round begins i'm guessing it would go through the weekend and then probably early next week the next round begins depending on how long tampa toronto goes it could be even later than that so um yeah definitely like get him in there and if if there has to be some sort of minutes restriction that's fine you can manage that but yeah i don't i don't really understand the whole like oh hold him out even if he's cleared to go and, and ready to play like that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me, like you said. Like you also don't take anything for granted. If Patrice Bergeron can can help you close out this series, you do that. You don't you don't say, oh well, we got it anyways, and you know risk dropping a game, and now you're going back to Florida and it's three two, and like who knows? So yeah, if guys can play, they play. Like it's it's the playoffs. I said this before when we were talking about resting Bergeron. You know, early in this series, I was like, no, you you're not holding him out because. Uh, we think we can get by Florida without him. That's just not how you approach the playoffs. If guys can play, they play, period.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
2: Yeah, I want to weigh in in on this too, because I've I've had like, I've played it out in my mind, like both ways. Um, And I, first of all, I feel like getting Bergeron back for game five is such a emotional boost that like, once again, you have this reason to like, obviously you have the reason to close it out, but you have this extra, juice added um because you're getting your captain back and just to how um ecstatic he would be to finally be able to crack the playoffs um this this go around um would be kind of an emotional lift so there you go that that could help you close out the series um in five games and then he'll get the rest right after um, but I've also played out the situation in my mind, the the uh, the, the talk radio situation, because that's the world we live in, where it's like, okay, Bergeron that does, like doesn't get through Game Five like healthy, and then here we go again with the why you playing him in a game that you know you could probably have closed out the series without him, and um, you know you go back to the hindsight being what everybody looks at like okay well you could have gotten it done without him why didn't you just rest him if he was you know um if it was just one game left whatever um which but the, the true answer is that you don't know if it's one game left it could be you know you could go to seven so um yeah I I, I feel like that's absolutely what the conversation will be like if he goes back in there and either comes out a little bit banged up, or or you know if he takes another hit or what have you, if things go wrong for him, even if he's rusty or something, like you you you're gonna hear that um the next the next day, but um yeah, but but to to speak to him being back in the lineup though, um you put him back on the first line and then you're able to get that Bertuzzi Zaka Pasta neck line together and not really feel like you need to mix them up too much, um. And then you'll get that Hall-Coyle-Frederick line back together and the pieces start to fall back into place the way that they were earlier um, if you get Bergeron back. It could just be nice in general, just nice to see that again and see how that's working.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, it's funny. I just feel like we haven't – we've been talking about it for so long. Like, what's this Bruins lineup going to look like up the middle and these lines, like, when they're fully healthy? And <laughs> the trade deadline was, what, two – how long ago was it? A Mo- month and a half ago? Two months ago? And we haven't even had one game with everybody healthy yet to even see that come to fruition. So, you know, when Krejci comes back, I still don't know what they're going to do. But knowing how things go, when Krejci does come back, I'm sure somebody else will be hurt and <laughs> things will just slide into the way they have been. But, Scott, you made a comment earlier in the episode about, I believe it was you, Scott, mentioning that Pavel Zaka has kind of been rushed into, or not rushed to, but he, he was put into that first line center position maybe a little earlier than anticipated. And I would say offensively, that's true, but I, I feel like we've glossed over a little bit. How much Charlie Coyle has stepped up in so many different little areas of the game. He obviously had a great goal in game two. uh, I'm sorry, game three uh, with a tip in front of the net, but he has just been so steady and he's been a Patrice Bergeron has such a calming presence about him. When he's on the ice, and I feel like Charlie Coyle has done an admirable job trying his best to emulate that. And he, I just wanted to bring him up. I wanted to give him his own little minute of, of, of spotlight here because he's really stepped up, and it's such an such an important role defensively, physically, uh, with, with with two key guys out of the lineup in a year where the team is all in. The stakes, the stakes were very, very high for Boston going down to Sunrise, tied one to one, with the lineup the way that it was. Florida feeling good about themselves. To I think, like I said, I think everybody here would have been happy with a split down there. They don't get that. They get both of them. And I think Charlie Coyle's role, he was he was integral at least up front, um, helping the Bruins do that and allowing some other players to still focus on offense because he was he was. He was a rock for the Bruins, especially in their own zone.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think just like how we mentioned Marshankin being like, "I know I need to step up as a leader." I think Coyle, like, clearly understood the assignment of, "I need to be a top two center." Like, period. There, like, there is no other option. I need to be the one who steps up here, and and he has. And yeah, not with a ton of points, but in terms of his. All around game, absolutely. Um by the way, I just saw this come across. Matthew Kachuk fined five thousand dollars for cross-checking. So exactly what, what we predicted early in the episode. Um what
1: you, what you predicted Scott. Yeah. mystic mystic Mac over here.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> strikes again, hockey goes to me.
2: Guess what though? You didn't get the sweep. I had Bruins in five, right. Brian had Bruins yeah. in six. Just a reminder.
0: You know, here's the thing that wasn't that was me trying to be bold. That wasn't really the hockey gods talking to me. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Kind of. I kind of right. went against my own okay. religion there, and you know, I've, I've, I've suffered. I performed my hail marys, and uh, we're getting back on good terms with the hockey. We'll
2: gods. see next round when he predicts another sweep. But um, <laughs> I'm just I doubt there's uh, no way in your right mind you should think the Bruins would sweep either Toronto or Tampa Bay. So well, uh, we'll that, see, that see. you better not be predicting a sweep in that one. <laughs>
0: people are going to have to tune in to find out. You're going to oh have to tune God. in. Uh,
2: good. And then and then people will will tweet at us again. Get Scott off of this. Get what is he talking about? Um but there is one thing I we we're getting late in the podcast and we'd be remiss if we did not talk about Olmark. Um and like I thought maybe we were even going to start with this because um it was, you know, it happened towards the end of the game. First of all, Olmark his health will, will I want to talk about too. But he <laughs> he tries to fight the worst possible person you could try to fight. I understand he was being baited, and there was plenty of reason to want to punch Kachuk in the face. But this brings me back to something I had heard on NHL Network about a month ago when Flurry tried to fight Bennington, which was that. Ryan Reeves was on and he said, he was saying, I told him never do, ne- to Flurry, never do this again. All right. If you're angry at someone, let me handle it because I don't want to see my goalie get hurt. And we're not just talking about, you know, Mark Andre Flurry here. We're talking about Linus Allmark, who is the best goalie in the league. And he's not even trying to fight another goalie. He's trying to fight someone that's a psycho that fights all the time. So like, I'm just thinking to myself, I understand you're mad at him. He, he's being an asshole, but you cannot put yourself in that position to get injured and against the word, like it's it literally, he would have probably gotten his ass kicked uh, if they had let that go. Maybe Allmark goes into it knowing the refs aren't going to let that happen. So he can be a little bit of a tough guy, <laughs> but um, I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on that last sequence. Allmark comes out, Swamin so comes in, plays about the last three minutes of the game and Montgomery did say that wasn't like because of the 10 minute misconduct I guess he could have played out the rest of the game but they wanted to get him away from the ice and because he was a little bit fired up um and everybody loved that he was fired up but I was just thinking how badly that could have gone wrong if Kachuk and himself yeah. were able to shake off the refs and get into an actual fight
0: so I'm kind of of two minds on this. And, and one half is like it, Omar mark knew the rest were never going to let that happen. So there was real, you he know, like know. Y- you can draw, you can drop the gloves, take your helmet off, but like, you know, it's not actually going to come to blows. And then there's this other part of me that's just like, what if all is like a secret badass and like can just kick the shit out of anyone? Like, like what, what if he's trying, you know, a boxer in the offseason, like training in the ring, we like we just don't know it. You know, I mean, Marshan said after the game, like he's he's got the size and reach. You know, he's he's got some built-in advantages there. But uh, yeah, I but I, I lean towards the first one. I I think I think he knew it was uh, they were never going to actually let him and Matthew Kachuk uh, engage in fisticuffs.
2: But and also, if you think about it, there's a reason why he was kind of like he was staying out of it for a second but when you think about it that he, there was no goalie for him to fight <laughs> like it was a they had the goalie pulled so they had six six guys six skaters out there and he's looking around and he's like oh we're outnumbered i got to grab someone but uh it shouldn't be and, and Kachuk, first of all hit him in the first place that started the fight and then hit him on the way by when he was getting dragged away so i'm not saying he shouldn't have been pissed off at him but i just don't want to see that like it could have gone horribly wrong, honestly,
1: well, what a, first of all, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I mean uh, no,
2: it was so entertaining, yeah,
1: uh I think what annoyed me about the situation was it's not necessarily that Florida handpicked the time to do it, but it, it does annoy me when when scrums ensue, when one team has they're tougher players out there and they're going up against the other team's non-tough players. Like, oh, that's that, like, 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 like Montour and Kachuk and Sam Bennett, like flying into a scrum to go at it with Jake DeBrusque and Pavel Zaka. And like, it's like, it, it's, it annoys me. Cause it's like, okay, we'll do that when do that when Felino's out there and Frederick or Hathaway and, and just like, you know, if you're going to do it, like, but again, that's that's part of being that's part of being rats. Like like they're they're they want to do it against the Bruins, you know. I guess better players, but from a Bruins perspective, it's like, well, it kind of makes the Bruins look like they got their ass kicked in a scrum. But it's just it's like, okay, well, if it was you know certain the Bruins tough guys against you know Reinhardt or Barkov or whomever, it's like yeah, it would have been the opposite. So I well no because th- those are few and far between, right? So when they happen, you kind of want to see tough on tough. But that was the only thing that bothered me. It's like I just like like the way Bennett just kind of like brought brought uh, debrus down to the ice pretty hard. I was like, uh, I just like I just don't want to get hurt or something like that from a stupid scrum one because the Bruins tougher guys weren't out there to defend themselves. But that was well, the only. When you
2: you know exactly what's going to happen when you take a whack at the goalie at the end of the game. You know you're about to get mauled and. So Carlo and Forbert both tackled him at the same time. <laughs> so those two guys had Kachuk and then it was just a full on scrum after that point. But.
0: Yeah, I was going to say good, like, good job by those guys. Cause you know, we, we know Forbert and Carlo sometimes, sometimes they can kind of be gentle giants, but they jumped right on Kachuk case. Um, and the one last point I was going to make is a uh, Bruins record in postseasons where their goalie throws a punch. Pretty good.
1: Yeah, very yeah. good. Very good.
2: Did he? Did he? Did he officially throw a punch? Are we calling that a punch? <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, it's It
1: was a little jam Yeah, <laughs> he threw a little blocker at him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right, but well, we can count it. I mean, wh- like, wh- he would have had a full-on season if he had scored a goal and like fought Mac and Chuck. <laughs> like like, what the hell is going on this season with Linus Allmark? <laughs> but, um, anyway. Well, also,
0: also, Allmark uh, had an assist in the game, so he, yes, was, he was almost a, a goal away from a Gordie Howe hat-trick.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, if, if he gets the fight before the end of the year, he has at least a Gordie Howe hat-trick in mm-hmm. the season. Like, mm-hmm. if you count it over the full season. <laughs> but, um, oh, God. It, it, so, my, my last thing with Allmark with is – so he has started all four games. We had been going, you know, back and forth about should Swayman play. And then yesterday morning, Sunday morning, when we had Razor on Sunday skate, he was saying it's going to be Allmark, and we all kind of agreed. But I heard other people saying, "Oh, it should be Swayman. Um, there's been zero reason to take Allmark out. Um, he we questioned his health. Um, and Razor kind of made it seem like all right, his health probably wasn't why he didn't practice. It, you know, maybe he was just getting rest and maybe it was just gamesmanship and maybe his he is 100% healthy. Um, it's been hard to tell, honestly. We've not been getting m- many straight answers and um, Allmark hasn't looked injured when he's played. He's maybe in a, a few little situations, he's moving a little bit differently. I, I don't know. He has not played bad enough where you're like, oh, okay, something's bothering him. So I think Allmark game five to close it out makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, I mean I think he's looked good outside of game two, but the whole team sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, look, I, th- I think the question is simple, right? If you're the Bruins, which goalie do you feel gives you the best chance to win game five? If the answer is Allmark, play him, and then if you win, you got you get to rest after a five game series. So take care of business, and you know don't play with your food. It, like like don't rest. Don't rest Bergeron if he's healthy. Don't try to rest all Mark just because you feel like he's – like, win the series and rest him. Like, get the job done and make the make make the personnel decisions you feel going into the game gives you the best chance to do that. If you lose, you lose. But at least you're losing with having thought it out and giving yourself giving yourself the best chance in your mind.
2: And I, th- I think that in the post-game press conference, if, if you guys want to go back and listen to it, it's on the Bruins Twitter and it's on the – Bruins, um, website Montgomery pretty much says as much as that's going to be all Mark. Like he doesn't actually say it, but the way that he's talking about him, it's like, that's the number one guy right now. And that's, it only makes sense. I'd be shocked if it's not all Mark in game five.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the extra day off between game four and five definitely helps. Like if anything, the, the toughest turnaround of the series was from game three to four from Friday night to Sunday afternoon. And I think that was the only reason that like people are thinking, maybe it might be Swayman. Um, but they go with L Mark and he plays really well again. So yeah, I would say, you know, even as someone who previously advocated for the rotation, like they're obviously not doing that at this point, you finish the series off with L marks. So um, and then absolutely.
2: What do you guys think Florida is going to do? Because they've had they've they've rotated their goalies and neither of them have done particularly well.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, good question, but I think they're kind of screwed either way. Um,
2: I feel like I, you got to go back to Lion. I I just I I don't know why, but I feel like you got to go back. Like he had some spurts where he looked like he could steal you a game you know, but you know, he also let in some soft goals that same game in game one. Like he looked like he could stand on his head. And then all of a sudden he's letting in that Marshawn goal. And it's just like, you just don't really think either of those can do guys can do it. But I feel like it's time to go back to lion and just try it. Uh, it's hard because obviously one's a veteran and one has, this is his first ever playoff experience. So um hard to say what they should do, honestly.
1: Oh yeah, and Bobrovsky's a veteran with a bunch of inconsistent play throughout the playoffs too. So,
2: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: yeah, he's a veteran. He's been there, but he hasn't really done that outside. I mean, outside of that that one run with Columbus that, and they fell to Boston. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I I don't really think if I don't think it really matters for the like it matters for the Panthers who they go with and who they think gives them the best chance. But if the Bruins come out and play that the way that they can, I don't. I think it's kind of a moot point.
2: Yeah, I just uh, purely to finish the thought about the goalies. Um, yeah, Who knows? Scott,
1: do you have any closing closing thoughts?
0: Uh, I tweeted this after the game, but it, the Panthers actually out attempted and outshot the Bruins in Game Four, but mm-hmm. Bruins defense did a great job keeping them to the outside. Scoring chances were still in the Bruins favor. High danger chances were ten to six Bruins. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of empty calories for the Panthers offense. And, you know, we touched on earlier, the job that the Bruins did defensively, but just to, just to wrap up on that, like really, you know, you'll give up those shots from the outside all day. And that really seems to be the only answer that the Panthers offense has right now is fire from everywhere and, you know, try to get deflections and screens and rebounds Um that's how they've scored a few of the goals that they have this series. Bruins did a great job of really just taking that away and just letting those be harmless outside shots that were pretty easy for all mark.
2: And then yeah, to because we didn't mention this, um, Bruins were outshot 10-0 to start the game. Um, and then it was kind of like oh, that's not <laughs> that's not gonna, you know, bode well for you if you can't get a shot on goal and and you know, it's like the first like eight minutes or so. Um it didn't start out as uh it started out lopsided in terms of shots.
1: Uh shots let me on put goal it that way. Shots on goal for sure. Shots I mean, on goal, yes. Shots I, on goal. Because wanna... they did have
2: a few shots that missed. Yeah, but, I 10
1: score um, there, yeah.
2: But yeah, they you you don't you don't like to see that stat to start the game. So uh they were able to overcome that, like you said, Scott, they did get out shot. Um but anyway, any predictions for, for game five here? Uh feelings on does Bergeron actually make it in or was that more gamesmanship again? Like, oh, he's likely for game five? I
1: don't I don't I don't see any reason why the Bruins need to try to deceive the Florida Panthers in round one of the playoffs. You know, well, no, I, think-
2: I, I actually don't even think of it as deceiving for, for this game. I think like maybe just they like the likely means they were hopeful, but that the injury like they, they don't know the final answer on the injury until probably Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. So um is he actually ready? That's the question. Yeah,
1: that's that's that. Yeah. That's the question. If he, I just, I guess what I'm saying is I just don't, I don't think there's putting out one thing to kind of, you know, try to get in Florida's head or, or, you know, give them, make a mystery about the Bruins lineup. I don't think, I don't think that's anything that they're doing, but I just think they I think they genuinely are just taking a a day at a time to see if he can play. No, because again, nobody knows what the hell he's dealing with. We can speculate, but we just don't know. But I guess, yeah.
2: Tuesday they'll practice, right, Scott? Is it eleven thirty practice again? Um, And we'll see if Bergeron finally practices with the team rather than ahead of you know skating and working on his own stuff ahead of practice.
0: Yeah, they haven't announced their schedule for Tuesday yet, but yes, I'm assuming it'll be a regular full practice either. Eleven or eleven thirty, um, yeah. That they're, they're off Monday, coming back. Uh, Don Sweeney's meeting with the media later in the afternoon, Monday afternoon. Um, I there had been a rumor, and I'll be interested to see if Sweeney confirms it that they had some travel issues getting out of Florida, which I guess isn't really that big of a deal when you have an off day, anyways. But um, yeah, I, I think their flight back might have been delayed.
1: Scott, if the Bruins, if the Bruins were to beat the Panthers in game five and wrap up the series. And they had like a week off before their second round series. That would make a lot of sense to me why, you know, maybe they'd throw out Don Sweeney to have a chat with the media between series. What's the reasoning. And is it common for a mid series GM availability? I find like that's not very common with this Bruins team, you know, maybe Toronto, like maybe Dubas speaks up in Toronto. Cause it's a different beast up there. But like, do you know the nature of why he's speaking to the media right now between in mid series?
0: I think it's just so everyone else has a day off. It's kind of the, you know, GM will take the bullet for the coach. Um, That way, you know, Montgomery has today off too, because they do try to have some sort of media availability every day in the playoffs. So I think it's obviously players aren't going to be available on an off day. And I think Sweeney steps up and says, you know, Monty, you don't have to meet with the media today either.
2: He's just gonna take a victory lap.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, they right. had him
2: on the pregame for quite an extended amount of time. Nesson had an extended pregame, um, and Sophia talked to him about six minutes or so um, ahead of Game Four, and it was actually a pretty interesting interview. I think I sent you guys it, if in case you missed it. But um, yeah, he's already he already talked yesterday, so he's gonna talk again. Um, who knows what could he say differently? 2 days later. Not sure. Um but he obviously spoke about Bergeron and the depth and and different things like that. So I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to glean from him. Uh he has the easy deflection of not I don't know. You know, I'm not part of the medical staff. I don't know if Bergeron and Creтье are ready for whatever. So um. Every day it's, it's different. <laughs> every day we're finding out different information. Who knows next tomorrow morning or Wednesday morning, we could find out someone else is out of the lineup at the last second. Who the hell knows? Um, Bridget, what, one, right?
1: one thing, one thing I meant to comment on uh, earlier when you brought up the the narrative that might be if Bergeron would have played in game five about, you know, like, I, 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 I agree with you. Like there's obviously, I can think of a couple of, personalities that would definitely go there for for the sake of,
2: i wonder who for the
1: sake of creating segments in over the course of a show but i will say i feel like uh even they behind uh when when the red lights off i think i think when there's a pl- when when the word playoff is in front of a game i think i think people tend to they're okay with with the risk of injury uh, i mean uh, assuming that the player's healthy because if you're not going to play in the playoffs like like but when are you going to play? Like, I think when it's a playoff game, it's, it, it's, it alleviates some of those criticisms because it's like, well, it's now or never like go for it. And, and don't give your opponent a chance to breathe. I, I, like I said, I agree with you. I do think some people will make that, 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 that question impose that question. But I think for the most part, a lot of the sane people who may have criticized Bergeron playing in game 82. I think, I don't think they would have an issue with it because it's a playoff game. I think that's, that that's the big distinction indifference there i meant to comment on that earlier but uh it it will be interesting to follow i'm sure i'm sure your prediction will certainly just
2: because it's logical brian doesn't mean it will be what happens (laughs) so just know that
1: that's true that's true okay uh about an hour 10 into this any closing thoughts for you guys i know i already asked you scott but anything else um
2: i apologize to everyone watching on youtube that my cat xerxes has been taking a bath for about an hour in the background (laughs) so I tried to get him to stop. He just won't. So
1: he's a locker room guy.
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> he's doing it still. There he is.
1: Just gonna put a towel on him and get a mic in front of him. For also, him. he
2: was just kicking himself in the face. Um, you don't want to hear what he has to say. Trust
1: me. Yeah, looks like the hey, there he goes again. Looks like the Florida Panthers licking their wounds <laughs> after Game Four. <laughs> smaller he's version. Killing
2: me right now, he's killing me. Oh, God. Anyway, I apologize out. to to those who are visually seeing what I'm talking about. <laughs>
1: kind of looks like i think
0: he's eating his paw
1: kind of looks like scott a little bit eating the popcorn on floor nine
2: (laughs) cleaning off his fingers very similar yeah on here (laughs) it's
1: it's uncanny the resemblance my goodness oh
2: god no sometimes i get scott on on camera eating his popcorn he hates me when i do it but i'll turn around and i'll just i'll be
1: did you, did you guys ever see that video of uh of like that little kid in at the detroit red wings game he was like the cutest kid in the world and like in detroit like they would pants like fans wearing the away jersey and everybody would boo and then it would go back to this little kid with this shitty grin on his face and they place would go crazy i don't know if you guys saw that it went viral i'll, I'll text it to you guys after if you didn't see it but i feel like i feel like, like i feel like that's i feel like the bruins could do that at the, at the game where like they just show like maybe a couple of people with like Florida Panthers jerseys on. And it was like, boo. And then they just pan to Scott in the press box, just eating popcorn. The place goes crazy. Ah, just like the, fan, like the fan of the game videos that they do.
2: Yeah. That, that could happen. I'm, I get to sit next to Scott while he goes for the popcorn every single game. And he's got to post it on Twitter. Otherwise it didn't happen. Right. Pixar. It didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Exactly. If, if they ever take that popcorn away, like, if they get deeper in the playoffs and they think, like, oh, we need to get fancier with all the national media, I'm going to be devastated.
2: Oh, they could never. They could never. It would be a full-on rebellion up there. <laughs> that and a stupid coffee machine. <laughs>
1: <sighs> okay. Um, are you guys ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, Bridget what's your cat's name again Xerxes
2: Xerxes, yeah
1: all right so on behalf of myself Bridget Scott and Xerxes thank you for listening uh enjoy game five which is Wednesday Wednesday all right enjoy game five and we will talk to you all very soon